0: Yeah, but whenever you're making the waveforms...
1: I guess a different... (laughs) I'll just imagine it's someone else.
0: Sure, sure. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, hello. Uh, I don't know if I should do the normal intro, but uh, yeah, hello and again, welcome to But Death, I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is... Stephanie Heller. uh, You've been on here a long time ago. Yes. If if people want to go back and listen to that, you can listen to much younger versions of us.
1: Yeah, it was actually the first podcast interview I'd ever done.
0: Yeah. How many have you done since? Um,
1: only like six, but yeah, that was that was definitely the first one I've ever participated in. Sweet. So.
0: Yeah. I uh, I take pride in getting a lot of people that like I got a lot of people early on mm-hmm. that have since done a lot of cool things. And it's like, oh, yeah, I got them like way before. You- mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: ACM, man, that's yeah. the power of the networking within the school.
0: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, then let's start with just like what have you done since ACM? Since ACM?
1: Um, So I think I was on here before we did the Slay the Stage Music Fest my last Mm -hmm. semester. Um, And we did, that's kind of when I started the Women in the Studio concept. Mm -hmm. And that was originally just an organization at ACM that was just the girls in the school Mm -hmm. and everyone just kind of getting to know each other. Girls only club. It was kind of cool at the time. (laughs) And um, we ended up throwing up throwing up, throwing (laughs) a festival. And, uh, (laughs) and we had, I think, if I remember correctly, it was 36 bands in about six hours on three different stages. Mm -hmm. So it was absolute mayhem, but we made it work and we raised money for a nonprofit organization out of San Francisco called women in in women's audio mission. And That was my first really big show that I've ever done. And I kind of fell in love with the festival planning. I fell in love with doing it for a purpose outside of, you know, our organization. Mm -hmm. So when I graduated, I actually took women in the studio with me into Oklahoma as a whole. And we've thrown a few different festivals and shows since then, either under my record label name, which is Heller Music Group, or Women in the Studio. And they've all been charity or benefit shows for different different concerts. Some have been for the Humane Society, which is way offbeat than mm-hmm. Women's Audio Mission. Some have been for the um, Happy Tails Animal Rescue. We've done dog adoptions. We've done... Um, what else have we raised for? Oh, uh, original flow has been signed to me, uh, for management for years. Um, and his mom actually came down with cancer and we did a benefit show to help with their medical bills and funeral. And, uh, we actually ended up covering quite a large chunk of it from that festival. Um, so, i just kind of fallen in love with, with that element of the music industry and how cool Oklahoma comes together for stuff like that. Um, so this this next showcase that I have coming up is actually going to benefit the girls' rock and roll camp of Oklahoma City, um, which I had not heard of. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's amazing. Um, it's just a bunch of little rock and rollers <laughs> and they make bands and... They, it's awesome. awesome. It's really cool. I wish I had known about it when I was a kid. <laughs>
0: right.
1: <laughs> so done. I've done stuff like that. I started working at Castle Row Studios as an engineer for hip hop, which is, if you would have asked me this last time on your podcast, I would not have been able to answer that at all ever in a million years. <laughs> um and then I have, I mean, I've traveled um, with different artists on tour. I've been with Z in Vegas and in Miami. I've been with Original Flow to Tennessee. Um, Rosalind and I have gone out to LA. Um, so I've actually gotten to tour. I've gotten to engineer. I've gotten to kind of live the every aspect you can think of of the music industry since graduation. And I'm incredibly grateful for that.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's start on, I guess, the like charity side like it's one thing to just throw festivals and just like have that happen but you've always had this focus on like charitable endeavors why is that um
1: I think it's just kind of a conviction kind of thing I I really appreciate what they do um for instance uh women's audio mission is a huge force in the industry. There's only three percent of women in this industry working um, behind the boards and in the studio. Um, that obviously does not include vocalists, songwriters, anything like that to do with performance. This is strictly engineering and studio. But um, they offer the studio is run by these people. They take interns. They employ these women. Um, they offer scholarships to people. It's it's just a really cool concept, um, and they're the only people doing something like that. And I know how hard it is to run a company like that, especially, you know, picking from 3% of already a very small population. So I I really w- enjoyed working with them and they were so grateful and kind And the relationships that have been built from stuff like that, just make you want to keep kind of doing it. Um, it always just feels really nice. And then of course the dogs, like You know, we, they always have dogs at our events and we get them adopted, which is amazing. And then, um, they take profit profits from everything that we do. So actually until the new, the new show is the first one that we will ever have the potential to make a profit. I have thrown eight festivals total and I have never made any anything from any of them, um, which is completely okay. We have sponsors that help us out. We've got an amazing community here that comes together for stuff like that. So um, yeah, I think you have to be very passionate about it to just mm-hmm. do all this and like not get paid for it. Sure. <laughs> but no, it, it really is the people and um, the relationships that you get to build. And it's just different, different lives that you get to witness and meeting people with the same sort of passions that you have it makes you feel not so alone too which is something that is absolutely priceless so I I really enjoy that aspect of the industry
0: yeah uh I will say I've had the privilege of running sound for I think two of those festivals yeah the slay the stage one I think the one that didn't have the slay the stage name but it was like the next year's one Yeah, yeah yeah Uh, and I think Kate Carmichael did that one. Yeah. She was president by then. I think so. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so then after all of that, uh, also Castle Row, tell me about yeah. uh, how you got involved in that and also for people that don't know what is Castle Row. <laughs>
1: okay, yeah. Castle Row is a recording studio out of Dell City. Um, to my knowledge, it's the biggest recording studio in Oklahoma. I do believe it is one of the larger ones in the region as well. Um, it has three different studios uh, very typical A, B, and C. You know, the bigger one is A. That's the one everybody wants to be in. <laughs> um, so, how I got connected there actually was through the management and record label. I was sending all of my people that were signed to me there and we had membership packages for them and they could record their albums. It was part of like our advances to our artists. And, um, I went to ACM for music production. So I knew a little bit about engineering, not enough to get hired at somewhere of that caliber though. Uh, and so I I worked there, the relationships there for management and business for two or three years and then COVID hit. And once that happened, I spoke with the owner and the head of production there and I was like, you know, I do have a little bit of knowledge in this. If you guys are willing to take a chance on it, I would like to work here and keep my artists involved with the studio without bankrupting us. because at that time we couldn't tour we couldn't do anything that was actually going to make the the label profit so the only thing i could do was work to save the money Mm. for of instead of a cost of having recording so we we worked out a deal to make that work castle row was amazing for letting me utilize the space and i've also gotten to work with a ton of their clients and they have been phenomenal as well. I've been there now obviously covid is lifted and I'm still there. So I still like it a lot. I enjoy the clients that I've I've made there. Um and they're just an awesome team to work with. Some of the most talented producers. I mean, I wouldn't have ever gotten to know any of them without without that and it's one of the biggest opportunities for like ACM graduates. Um interns are all almost always from ACM. Uh but yeah, it's it's a huge employment opportunity in the city for anyone wanting to do music or film, actually. They've added the film element. And I just, I think that's very important for us. And I'm I'm just really lucky that they were like, yeah, sure, you can, we're not going to say no. <laughs> but yeah, they saved me during COVID. They saved a lot of things for me during that time. And uh, yeah, I've enjoyed my time there.
0: Mm. It's... Very, it's at a very different time in the music industry. Uh, yes. <laughs> streaming has sort of exploded and turned everything upside down. Mm-hmm. So what is it like being at a commercial recording studio in a very different time where it's hard for anyone to kind of make a profit these days?
1: Right. So I would say where my profit splits come in, Um, we do do song split sheets for any song that we co-write or produce or do anything like that. Um, Normally that only goes for bigger artists that are already signed to um, labels or anything of that caliber, but you can do it for anyone. Um, Especially if you have a lot of faith in the song, (laughs) I highly recommend always, you know, that's the law school in me though. Uh, (laughs) Highly recommend always signing the piece of paper. Um, But most money and profit is coming from songwriting and publishing. So for us as engineers, a lot of our profitability, like I would say my hourly at Castle Row floats it. And then every now and then we'll get a song that's worth having the song split for. um, And we'll get a percentage of those songs. But I mean, I don't know. I haven't checked the numbers lately, but from my understanding there's not any streaming service paying over 0.00001 <laughs> cent per stream. So, I mean, you could be Kanye West or may- maybe not him. You could be Drake <laughs> and you could, um, you know, you could drop something and get, you know, 53 million streams and only make $50,000. So it really doesn't matter who you are that that number stays the same. Uh, so I, for us as engineers, a lot of it is our hourly pay, our mixing rates, stuff like that. And all of those are very set so that um, we're not relying on royalties or percentages or stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then at that point, our work becomes very technical. It's not, I mean, yes, there's creativity in it, but you know, you can't be putting your entire heart and soul into every single mix because uh, you need to be <laughs> giving the rest of it to the next clients and stuff.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's an interesting point in that at Castle Row. And I'm, I'm sure it's like this at, at every other commercial studio is our mix rates are flat rate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a song that takes me two hours to mix is the same price as something that takes me 16 hours to mix. Mm-hmm. So, um, you do have to be very careful with what, how much you pour into certain things. And there now if I spend 16 hours on a song normally I'm gonna approach the client and be like hey um <laughs> you know something went really Yourself wrong sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I have actually don't think I've ever actually I will I don't think I've said that to anyone <laughs> I have said that but I've never said it to the person but no yeah like if it's if I know for a fact it's gonna take you know every piece of my brain and knowledge to fix a song, my rate might go up a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's still a fixed rate. Mm-hmm. So you do have to be careful where you utilize your time and stuff, um, where mixing is, comes in because, you know, recording and being an engineer and stuff like that on the boards, that's hourly. Mm-hmm. So we can go as long as you want to mixes are not hourly. Mm-hmm. So it just, it very much depends.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, since you are specifically on hip hop, mm-hmm. uh, Engineering for that is very different. Mixing for that is very different. I'm sure uh, the amount of people at Castle Row doing specific genres probably varies i imagine hip-hop is probably the most i'd say 75
1: (laughs) 75 to 80 percent of our clientele yeah which is actually why i'm in Mm hip-hop i always wanted to do um alternative rock and roll and pop Mm -hmm. and that's just not where the market is Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's vastly different to work with like ross for instance Mm -hmm. being her engineer is fantastic because i can you know set up a guitar i can set up like we we get to actually be an engineer (laughs) and a producer and all of those things. and Then hip hop comes in and they're like, can you convert this YouTube beat and not get a virus on the computer? And then can we just like lay vocals over it? And it takes, you know, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's, there's a lot less work with, with something like that as far as, you know, I don't have to mix a drum track, a guitar track, or, you know, there's not 50 things in a session. Um but I do kind of miss that sometimes. I sure. yeah, I I do miss it a lot. That was that was the fun part cuz then you
0: do get to be creative. Right. Um yeah, and that's the other flip side of the industry is that like while for you as an engineer, yeah. you would love to have bands come in or have a bunch of creative projects coming in, but that stuff is expensive.
1: It is. Um. <laughs> it is it is a very and it's it's you know, you need like a 10 hour session to do one song. I I had a hip hop. You're doing it
0: all at once. (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've had a hip hop artist come in with a two hour session and he knocked out 10 tracks, Mm -hmm. like a whole album in two hours. It's, it's crazy different than live instrumentation, but I I do miss the, the subtle imperfections of live instruments and Mm -hmm. things like that. I think listeners do too. (laughs) Um, that's, that's the feedback that I get anyways. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So yeah, I get really jealous that we have, we have uh, Luke is our lead engineer for like bands and and bigger things like that. And I'm always accidentally walking in his sessions Mm -hmm. and just hanging out for way too long. (laughs) (laughs) I'm lucky he lets me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I mean, the reason is that like one, hip hop is like the most popular genre right now. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, it is. And then... I mean, so people aren't streaming or paying for going to as many rock or pop shows, uh, especially not in Oklahoma. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Yeah. And so, yeah, so someone like me doing uh alternative rock slash pop type stuff mm-hmm. i'm doing all this stuff myself one because i know how to do it right but save
1: uh, that money yes exactly I, money. <laughs> I don't have to
0: go into a studio as often or really ever yeah. because i uh, i am i actually have a session on wednesday because i'm tracking drums which is the only thing that i can't really do myself i have drums i'm not a real drummer Ethan Neal is a great drummer. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like, and that's the only thing that I'm like, all right, cool. I know that this is money that I'm putting down right. for it. And so it is interesting that like the way that the industry is shaped is very much shaped by like where the money is going. And so it doesn't cost a whole lot to uh pirate FL Studio and some uh correct, yeah, <laughs> yes. which everyone does. Yes, everyone does. <laughs> I know somebody yesterday
1: was like, I just bought FL Studios and I was like, you bought it? Yeah. I was like, I've never heard of anyone buying that in my life. <laughs> I was shocked by that information. <laughs> I didn't even know it cost until he said that actually. And I've been doing this like eight years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So, I mean, it doesn't cost anything to pirate this software and just kind of like make some cool sounds. You can mm-hmm. learn how to do some stuff through YouTube, which is also free. And so... University, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it's really easy, or at least the barrier to entry is far lower for making hip hop or making electronic music than it is to uh, pick up a guitar or get good at singing and then having to record that in a real space.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think I think people want to hear hip hop so much and they're, it's people are just so interested in it that it's easier to captivate people mm-hmm. for it. Um, also, if you're touring... Actually, you, you can tour as a hip-hop artist. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that because all you need is either just yourself or just you and a DJ. Mm-hmm. Whereas trying to take a band somewhere, you can't fly. It, hip-hop artists can fly anywhere um, because they have turntables. Yeah. And you have a band, you've, you've got to rent a van or buy a van. You've got you know six or seven people you've got to accommodate for. There's hotel I mean, it's just... D- not saying being an artist in any industry is easy, but hip-hop is financially easier and since so many people do actually like you know go towards that genre nowadays um you have you stand a better chance of captivating fans easier and quicker yep. so I, I do like that aspect because like I know my song might actually get heard <laughs> and stuff like that but um, I do miss. You know, more a little bit more complicated of uh instrumentational sure. things. Um because, you know, lyrics and hip hop, there's nothing more real than that. But I, I I miss instruments and I miss live stuff like that a lot.
0: Right. Well, I mean, every once in a while you get uh artist who is willing to collaborate with real musicians. I mean, flow. yeah. Yeah. Original uh, flow
1: definitely does. And he's like a poet too. And recently we did a comedy show, so he's just kind of everywhere, (laughs) 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 but he's just a multi-talented human being. um, And he can, I think he could, he's a chameleon. He could be anything you needed him to be um, without, you know, not being he's always himself which i think is so cool that he can be anything and still be him Yeah, that's one of my favorite things ever about him
0: (laughs) um but like it is interesting to think about and and i'm just thinking of this is that hip-hop kind of started because it was cheap like people didn't have like block parties with live bands because instruments are expensive and like so if people have their turntables like you can get some good records and like if you just learn how to go back and forth with these breakbeats and then have people rapping over it like it's it's fairly affordable and you can get a crowd going really easily absolutely yeah the instrumentation part of hip-hop was definitely
1: definitely originated around all of that um yeah i did you watch the grammys last night I did not. <laughs> I accidentally did. I walked yeah. in on it and I was like, oh, okay. And they had, a, so I guess it's the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, so they brought in, they had a collaboration of old and new generation. And it was one of the coolest collaborations I've ever seen. And they were using on stage some of the original DJ equipment that they had come out with back, you know, 80s, 90s. And I was just like, my mom kind of wished I wasn't there. Because I was just like, mom, that's it. And she was like, I can't even hear them. <laughs> so they were, if, if you ever want to see any of that original yeah, yeah. stuff, they had it last night and it was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was really cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't watch the Grammys cause I also kind of don't care.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that makes sense.
0: Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's weird that, I mean, I guess uh, Patrick Conlon of, of, Mm-hmm. Who we know through ACM. He got a Grammy secondhand uh, through, on a record that they you uh, know, worked on. So, so, so did
1: Harold LaRue. He uh, mastered something that got nominated, if not won. But he posted mm-hmm. about that yesterday, too. <laughs> ACM, man. Yeah. We know some of the coolest people. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, like, you know, I I did... I, I think it was this morning. I, I was like, oh, yeah, the Grammys happened. Let me see what... <laughs> what one <laughs> yeah. um and i was like mm. it's all harry styles yeah and i was i was like disappointed you know because it's like what resonates with like the academy versus what resonates with like people and what, like people yeah. consider to be like artistic merit and stuff and it's like i'm glad that beyonce got as many grammys as she did but wasn't it also the best one
1: <laughs> yeah, she actually, I think, broke the record last night for most Grammys. Yes. Uh, her and her husband, Jay-Z, they are tied for a equal amount of nominations. She's just won more.
0: <laughs> Goes back to the whole girls in the industry thing. I don't right. know. yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, sh- we could actually talk more about that. Um, and also hip-hop and you being a girl engineer in the yeah. studio hip-hop is notably uh, very misogynistic
1: oh yeah oh yeah and I'm white so that's cool yeah it's uh no I, I will say um I, I've had several sessions with you anything and everything it's not all hip-hop that I I'm to do it's just a lot a lot, a lot of it um and I'll say the they're the nicest, most respectful men that I've gotten to work with. And and the women too, actually. I've had a a few female rappers come in and that's actually why I stay in it is because they are so nice to me, Mm -hmm. which is not what you would expect at all. Mm -hmm. Um, The the misogynistic part that I have experienced is not from the rappers. Mm -hmm. It's from you know, older producers. It's mm. from, you know, going into being a guest in a studio in Miami or, or LA or, or something like that. And they will think that I'm like a groupie that walked in and I'm like, nope, <laughs> I'm here to help on the boards. Mm. And then, you know, they bring in a different engineer and try to like second chair. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> I actually got fired twice at Castle Row by someone who can't fire me just because he did not appreciate my female uh yeah that was a lot of fun there's just there's there's some things that you you face and that person was absolutely an older white man um so it's it's not from who you, who the average person looking in would think it's from uh again I mean, so there's been some rappers that are super flirty, but I am very quick with banter and sarcasm and can easily navigate my way out of that situation. Um, but the actual hatefulness and like the, the mistreatment and not necessarily mistreatment. I mean, I've never been like in any very serious situations, bless, but, um, Definitely coming from older white men in the industry that have some sort of position of power that believe that they can talk to me a certain way or have an influence over my career. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's about that's about the only the only times anything like that's happened. Um, and actually, none of them were in hip hop. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. it's not what you would expect at yeah. all. A lot of people ask me this question. Yeah, yeah. And you know. I think, I think the funniest, the funniest thing to me is one time I I had a person come in who didn't even go home. He was coming from jail. He didn't even like, I'm serious. He didn't even go home. And he was in very, very, like all of his clothes were too big for him. And I was just like, okay, like maybe you're just into like the nineties hip hop style, you know? And after the session, he was, he, he told me he had made all the beats um, and all of the the wraps that he had created um on the wall. Mm-hmm. And um he was very upfront. And he was like, Yeah, I just got out of it, was actually prison, not jail. He said, I, I just got out of prison, I made all of these on the wall. He was my favorite client to date. He was so respectful, so nice. Um And we got to talking about a lot of different things because I work at the public defender's office. So I actually knew his attorney and he was just one of the kindest people ever. And, you know, just most people just don't even really think that, I don't know, the music is aggressive. So they believe the people are aggressive, Mm. but they're just, they just have a story to tell. That's it.
0: We're aggressive in the music so that we don't Yeah. So that we're not aggressive everywhere else.
1: It's it's an outlet Mm -hmm. for everyone. People just express their emotions differently. Mm -hmm. So everyone's story is different and everyone's emotions are different and they're all valid. Mm -hmm. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, One thing I wanted to say is that like, it is notable how, you know, you were saying that the people who were the worst to you are older white men in the industry. And so like, The way that the conversation is going, it's like, yeah, the people who have experienced more prejudice and more Mm -hmm. systemic oppression are the ones who are less willing to perpetuate it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, yeah, as the conversation has gotten so wide and everyone is being more inclusive, the old white men are trying to find their last stitch efforts of like... yeah yeah, holding their own, whatever it is that they're trying to hold on to.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I I think, Uh, I don't feel pity for a lot of things, but (laughs) um, probably not for them either. But if I did, it would be, you know, I think everyone's just trying to navigate how everything is supposed to go. And not everyone handles it correctly. There's things that I don't handle properly either, um, but I don't hurt people in the process. Yeah. So I do hope that um, as we figure out this this new world and put things right and do things better in the future, that we can stop taking, we, I mean, old white men, <laughs> can stop taking it personal because, um, or maybe they should, I don't know. <laughs> actually I don't know <laughs> you know just be, not be so so mean about it because that rage is what is the issue in the first place mm-hmm. so yeah I don't the world's never been against them in their entire lives so I think I think they're just uncomfortable and that's that's nah
0: <laughs> well I mean we're and the thing is is that like while the narrative seems to be like oh the world is now against old white men it's more that like we're just going elsewhere with our business and it's like hey there's other alternative people to go to that we want to give the opportunities to that haven't gotten the opportunity to exactly So they're not even like being oppressed they're just being obsolete equalized (laughs) yeah and that's the yeah see so
1: like you know they're not no one's against or maybe they are. I don't know. But I am I would say bit. they're not, <laughs> they're not like, no one's like oppressing or like going against them. It's just that other people are just no longer against everyone else that they've been against. Mm. So they're feeling lonely, poor guys. <laughs> so yeah, that's, 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 you know, and I, it's just, we're just in a really big change and I think it's great. Those people are uncomfortable. I just wish people weren't so angry, such as the, only the white men is what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. How uh, do you try to practice radical empathy? And I understand that it can be scary to look at a world that doesn't need you anymore, but maybe you should also look at yourself and see why you're not needed anymore.
1: Right. What's your value?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, law. There's law. a whole thing uh, yeah. that we also haven't gotten to talk about, which like, yeah, also amongst the post-ACM stuff. Oh
1: yeah, I did go to law school. Friggin' law school. <laughs> <laughs> I did go to law school. Yeah, I went to OCU Law for a year and a half, and what what prompted that was um the record label. I had a, a wonderful attorney named Jeff on retainer, which by the way is the most expensive thing you can probably do to read and write contracts for us and, you know, delegate all of our business deals. And so I applied for law school and his comment was, you know, I've never had a client go to law school to fire me. And I felt really bad. And I was like, I still love you, Jeff. And,
0: um, he should have more clients fire him. And go to law school.
1: I know, yeah. And law school is very, very tough. I'm (laughs) glad I got out when I did. But yeah, I I went through contracts and uh, I went through several classes, but contracts was mainly why I was there. And I got third in my class in the subject. And now I read and write my own contracts. I help people do the same thing. Um, I am not a licensed attorney, so I cannot technically give legal advice, but I can say, hey, I wouldn't sign this Mm -hmm. if it was me. Yeah. Um. And I can also tell them why I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So, um, tra- con- being able to translate a contract, um, is a huge strength of mine. Uh, that I didn't realize was going to be so valuable until I got it. Yeah. Because contracts are normally not very friendly to artists, and that's the only pe- person that I'm trying to help. Yeah. So.
0: What do contracts look like nowadays?
1: Um, locally or. Uh, for whatever you're seeing I guess I see a lot of local contracts and it looks like they got them off Rocket Lawyer Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um, they're very general very um, ambiguous is a word that I would use I think there's a lot of room for negotiation on artist's end they just need to know what they need to negotiate Mm -hmm. Um, but contracts are written in a way that the average person are not supposed to understand them Mm -hmm. so it it helps to have someone who is familiar with that Latin or whatever they're trying to tell you um, and just say, yeah, this is a very standard contract. But because of that, you can say, hey, I know this is very standard. Let's add this clause. Mm -hmm. Let's change this. Like I looked at a uh, booking agency contract recently for a friend of ours from ACM and I... The clause in it basically gave them, the booking agency is out of Dallas. Mm -hmm. So it said if there was any legal, you know, contradiction or anything that came about, jurisdiction would be in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I said, I think that you should argue that jurisdiction should be in Oklahoma and Dallas because you live in Oklahoma. um, Or not Texas at all because you live in Oklahoma. The contract is for you. They obviously want to sign you. You need that ball to be in your court. Um, because you you're not familiar with Texas law, and also, if they do sue you, you would have to go to Dallas every time you have court, all these things like that. And she didn't even think about that. I mean, who would the average person wouldn't. <laughs> so I'm like, I would I, that's the only thing about it that I would negotiate. um and she ended up, you know, I think I believe getting that negotiation done and it worked out in her favor. Granted, she's never had any sort of legal issues. but sure. if it does come about, she would have jurisdiction. Mm. Which is important for artists because if you sign a contract in L.A. and you live in Oklahoma, if you get in a lawsuit with them, that takes years and you'd be in L.A. You'd be flying in and out, wasting more money. Litigation is expensive. It's just you got to pay attention to stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, What do record deals look like nowadays? Are there even record deals nowadays? <laughs>
1: There, there are, I was, so I own a record label, Mm -hmm. um, but my deals are almost identical to a management contract. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is, you know, even if you do a 50, 50 split Mm -hmm. type of contract with an artist, which is the best deal for an artist, I'm Mm -hmm. still taking 50%. Um, I would have to do to justify that. There's Mm -hmm. so many things that my label would have to do for that person, Mm -hmm and if they're just performing locally and I'm only locally there's absolutely no reason for that mm-hmm. um now an 80 20 split if i'm covering your booking if i'm covering your you know tour management if i'm on the road with you if i'm handling your contracts and doing all that mm-hmm. that that's justifiable i there's in no world that i can justify a 360 yeah there's mm-hmm. there's just nothing it, i understand that millions of dollars sounds really nice mm-hmm. but that is a loan and I have school debt. Um, I know what loans mean and I know what interest means. And I just, stuff like that, I don't, I think that that is obsolete. I think that there's no reason for, for a contract such like that, especially with everyone having the ability to push their own art. Um, social media has allowed us to, curated playlists, um, social media, streaming services, all of that. There's just absolutely no reason for you to sign that major of a deal yes. uh, because you can do it on your own if the music is good enough
0: mm-hmm. i do want to continue to point out that there is no money in streaming Correct. Uh, <laughs> yeah there is not no and like i feel like a lot of people get fixated on this thing because that is kind of what people perceive as like the end yeah. product no and yet <laughs> yeah. uh publishing is where publishing it really yeah. is uh, in the music
1: well yeah so publishing ticket sales mm-hmm. so that's actually um where the industry the big one of the biggest flips in the industry of all time was we used to sell tickets to sell albums because the money was in getting a hard copy mm-hmm. now it's streaming to sell tickets right. um so so concert tickets are a huge a huge profit if you don't split it with a promoter and a, and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, merchandise normally is the only thing an artist gets to keep 100% of. Mm-hmm. Therefore, creating a brand for yourself mm-hmm. is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and also creating merch that people actually want to buy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a design team. That's a marketing team, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people that just want to make music know nothing about marketing. They know nothing about, you know t-shirts and and things like that they know that they kn- they need them mm-hmm. and they know that their friend can probably print it for them and they know that mm-hmm. you know you know there's there's ways but uh, if you're gonna pour money into something it's got to be something that's gonna pour money back into you and the only thing that an artist actually gets to keep 100 percent of is merch publishing and songwriting if they
0: are the sole songwriter mm-hmm. so then uh Okay, let's start in publishing. We'll go to merch. And uh, so uh, one of the things that I do is I do cue sheets for a company that I am don't think I'm at liberty to disclose, yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, sports broadcasts is a lot of what I uh, end up doing cue sheets for. And so... The way that, uh, like football, for example, mm-hmm. best uh, sport. By the way, best sport. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there's not like a library that they're like choosing from. In at least in football specifically, mm-hmm. they can actually just pull from anywhere and just throw it on as a bumper uh, to commercial. And because there's like this legal thing that is, there's kind of like a fair first time use sort of thing.
1: Well, and also our law is not caught up with digital anything. Right.
0: You can pretty much get away with anything digitally. Sure. The the precedent was basically set where it's like, oh, there was a broadcast and like in the stadium, some music was playing, but like the, the broadcaster didn't necessarily license that and so it's like well we shouldn't have to pay for that license uh, at least the first time and that's kind of what was set. Interesting so I didn't know that. What that allowed them to do is just grab anything for the first time mm-hmm. uh, and like yeah just use it and then ask questions later yeah. and so I end up putting a lot of stuff on Q sheets that uh, are artists that are very hard to find uh, or I can't even find their first and last name or their uh, PRO or whatever because uh, they're just kind of out here and they got some bump in a Spotify playlist that was popular enough to get them on... Curated playlists. Yeah, yeah. And so, cool, your music got played on a sports broadcast Uh, not cool, you don't have a way to get that money.
1: (laughs) Right. But I mean, you would want a DJ to spin it in the club.
0: Sure. Yeah. What I'm saying, though, is like get on a PRo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: true. Yes. 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 But yeah, it's it's, see this is that law fine line, though. Right. You uh, so you want it played. Yes. And like the potential is, is if you spin it on this, Mm -hmm. then somebody else might hear it and then they go stream it and then they do get the money from it. Mm-hmm. So, so they're from a legal
0: aspect. Sure. Sure. That's the argument. Right. But like we just said, <laughs> there's no money in streaming. And so sure, there even isn't. if you get a million streams from it playing on a sports broadcast, right. uh, the sports broadcast itself is going to pay you more than that's very the true. streams. Yes. And so if you are easily findable, for someone like me who is scouring the internet to try and make sure that you get paid. Uh <laughs> then yeah, you like make sure that you are findable, make sure that you are on ASCAP or BMI or whatever. Uh those are the big ones. Right. Yeah. Uh CSAC is a little inconvenient to search their engine, but like <laughs> yeah. uh, but like yeah, like all of these. PROs are there to make sure that you get paid. And so that's just like a random placement. There's also the intentional placements trying to uh, pitch your song to a movie or a TV show. And as I
1: say, if you're intentionally doing it, you should absolutely already be. Yes, you, you should, are. are. You should already be involved in that. But ASCAP, is, is is it BMI or is it ASCAP that's one costs way more than the other?
0: I don't know. I'm on ASCAP. It was like 50 bucks.
1: Then it must be the other one. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. I know it's not that expensive, but sometimes people are, you know, they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's actually an expense worth Mm -hmm. investing in. Um, I have it and I've never released a song under my name in my life, but I have it in case. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I also have like song trust. I, I have a lot of things going. I think song trust is the songwriting one where if I write something, there's a... Uh, it's attached to that, and then I already get I automatically get songwriting credit and royalties and things like that from that. Um, but that's a subscription base as well. Mm-hmm. So there's there's all kinds of different ways to to secure that kind of thing. But yeah,
0: yeah, ASCAP was a one time fifty dollar payment for songwriting, and you can also pay that same amount for publishing and you can yeah. own your own songwriting and publishing you don't have to own a publishing company you just yeah are your own publisher and you just get 100 percent of those royalties
1: yeah you absolutely do need those um i actually don't know any artists without well again i'm working at castle row so these artists sure. are a little different but i don't know anybody without
0: either of those mm-hmm. that are doing this professionally yes um I've come across many artists. Really? So yeah. Oh no. Sometimes I'll like look up my friends' bands. Cause I'm, you know, I'm I'm in these databases for this stuff all the time. And I'll like look up my friends' bands. So I'm like, where are you guys? What are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and this it's a little different, but like, I mean, if you don't trademark your name, <laughs> anyone can trademark it and then start getting money off of that too. Um, if you don't register it, it doesn't mean somebody else can't. So you should probably, Mm -hmm. for all of these things, Mm -hmm. um, you just gotta be really careful with stuff like that.
0: How do you register a trademark?
1: Secretary of State. (laughs) (laughs) You can uh, go on, there's like a little form you can do online. Um, I think it cost me like $450 to do my, my logo and my name and put it on. And that was just for Oklahoma. If you want to do like a whole nation one, that's a little bit different. If you're going to be, if you're planning on touring you know, nationally. Um, yeah, it's it's not terribly expensive, but it is worth it because if you, Absolutely. like I said, if you don't and somebody else does, you would mm-hmm. then have to buy it from them and they can charge you whatever they want. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had a friend who started a company here and they had a conversation in a coffee shop locally, loudly, mm-hmm. about a, a, a concept they were coming up with. Somebody overheard it. They, and one of the Gentleman at the table said, "Have you had a chance to trademark the name yet?" Guy said, "No." Homeboy across the bar heard that. <laughs> trademarked it for 450 bucks. Sold it to him for 10,000.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, stuff like that. I mean, same same concept in 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 all of what we're talking about. If you don't do it, somebody will, yeah. and you will pay way more than what it's actually supposed to be for an artist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um then uh, what else do we talk about? Ticket sales. Well, actually, on publishing, have you had artists, you know, be placed on movie, TV shows, something?
1: So, a video, video game would be the dream. That's who actually pays. Um, we have not, I've, not anybody signed to me has gone into anything like that. A ton of people at Castle Row have because we have that, uh, there's a grant through the Oklahoma Film mm-hmm. and Music Industry thing going on and they've they've partnered with castle row so um a lot of our music does get to hit them first versus anyone else um so there's several artists that record around around the studio that have had placements and they do get quite a big paycheck for that mm-hmm. um that's the most ideal situation is to get into your stuff into film uh Video gaming is, like I said, what is it? Spotify is like 0. 0.0001 yeah. cent. Uh, mm-hmm. Xbox will give you a dollar. Mm-hmm. Think about the massive difference yeah. in that. Like yeah. uh, gaming is the most expensive payout that you can receive. Yeah. Um, And that's very hard to get in. But EA Sports is pretty much where it's at if you're (laughs) i don't know how to get into it i went to berkeley and the guy who who runs EA sports he went there too and i had an alumni connect to him and i couldn't even get a hold of him but if you can do it (laughs) props to you
0: (laughs) i know some composers but uh it's yeah it's it's a weird niche world it's it's all about it is yeah Uh, it is so then yeah uh Ticket sales and uh, merch, which kind of go hand in hand. Um, who's who's making money off of shows in Oklahoma?
1: <laughs> well, JB is. I know sure. that. <laughs> JB is making it. Um, well, it, it depends on what the venues are allowing for artists to make. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some venues in town that are charging artists to perform. Yep. I'm pretty anti on that. Um, I did find out recently Castle Road charges artists to perform at music mondays and uh I stopped going. <laughs> I no longer promote that anymore. I uh, love Castle Row. I uh, hate that situation for people. Now there are some local artists they do allow, they do invite in and give them an opportunity to play for free. Um but they should even pay them. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um but yeah, no there's a there's a lot of pay to play going on and um I have never participated in anything like that. I will never. Um, But uh, there's a lot of, most venues don't pay artists, um, which is really, really, really unfortunate. In Oklahoma City, Mm -hmm. Tulsa is a very, very, very different situation. Mm -hmm. And those shows are always packed. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know how they have it. Done and we don't, it's it's really sad to me. Um the venues that are paying artists are not hiring local people. Um, which is really really tragic. Uh the show that I'm that I'm throwing, there's a potential for our artists to make a profit, but it's on ticket sales. Mm -hmm. So therefore it's up to the community and them to promote the show and things like that. So it just depends. It depends on how how far we get with that and the advertising and things like
0: that. So Yeah. um, I'll ask you about the show even more concretely so that you can plug that at the very end. But uh, (laughs) uh, how can we get it to that point? One of the things that is kind of a recurring theme, especially because most of the guests on this podcast are musicians, but like, how can we make a show and music culture for Oklahoma city and Oklahoma in general?
1: Yeah. I think if we had more musicians being the business people versus business people trying to, you know, be in charge of the musicians, that would be nice.
0: The musicians. If you, yeah.
1: Um, (laughs) I think that there, and this goes back to something I said earlier is, you know, being a musician means that you're a musician. You don't always know the business part. Um, I was a musician for years before I got into business. So I just happen to be both of those things. but I'm not normal and I know that um, I think Adam Aguilar is a fantastic human being and I think that he does both mm-hmm. and he's partnered with people that do that and want to help um, but him being a partner like at VZDs or owning VZDs that right there ensures that the artists are being taken care of mm-hmm. um but unless the artist is equivalent to the businessman, they're never going to get paid mm-hmm. so I think more artists knowing business and taking time to study business and be able to protect themselves in that kind of environment um, then we can then we can start having conversations that they start getting they start getting paid and and venue owners maybe having a little more empathy would be nice <laughs> um, i think I think that's a very Big thing that's lacking, um, but also, you know, I I went to culinary school a long time ago, and I was a chef, and I know how hard it is to run a restaurant and a bar and and own. Uh, they're almost always scraping by, so when they throw a show, they're they need that profit. They need to break even, and a lot of the time, like for instance, you know, like there's only so many tickets, and then you break even, and then pass that to profit. Um, they're doing. Well, to break even. So there's a lot of different things happening. Um, But, you know, if you bring in a lot of bodies to a show and you're selling out crowds and, you know, VZDs holds what, like 200 people, maybe 150 people. Right. <laughs> if you pack it, you should be paid. Mm-hmm. Um, if you bring 12 people, they're not going to break even that night. So there's no way that, you know, they're probably not, they're probably lost money as well. So it's, it's having a business mindset and understanding on both ends. Um, but that's, that's very hard to do yeah. to get empathy and understanding from, from two worlds that do not understand each other.
0: Yeah. Well, then the other part is that like, it's It's this catch twenty two of like how am I supposed to bring two hundred people to a show if like I don't have a whole bunch of unprofitable shows behind me that like have built me enough momentum to bring a hundred people, you know
1: so stuff that's free that can help that uh talk to people, mm-hmm. go out, meet people, um network. I think that's the best thing that ever happened to me out of ACM is that I met everyone that has made my career successful from that place. Um, I think social media is absolutely free and is so easy to navigate, um, algorithms, do a little research mm-hmm. on algorithms and, and how that works. Um, I can tell you there is absolutely statistics and analytics done on when's the best time to promote something. There's times a day that are appropriate for certain things. Um, the, the statistics and things like that, that's already been done for you. That research has already been done. It's out there. Um, just Google it. Find a reliable source. One of the best sources that you can, you can find information on this kind of stuff is digital music news. Mm. Um, But yeah, there's, there's all kinds of case studies and stuff that's been done on this and it's already, it's already out there. You just have to help yourself a little bit by doing research, um, taking the time, and that stuff is not fun. It sucks. Yeah. And it's not an easy language. I don't know what's going on with numbers, but I can tell you right now that if you post a post at 11 a.m. on Tuesday, it's going to be way better than posting something at 11 a.m. on Saturday, because that's just what it is. And there's multiple papers and articles that can confirm that if you if you
0: look it up. Mm-hmm. But Stephanie, I'm a musician, and I hate social media, and I hate myself. Oh
1: my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, unfortunately, in the digital age, social media is mm. is just the way. And um, unfortunate, another super unfortunate is everyone cares about how aesthetically your page looks and things like that. I have resorted to comedy, so my page doesn't have to be aesthetically pleasing because I'm just funny mm. or trying to be. Mm-hmm. So my my whole pitch isn't, isn't to be like cute and influencing and and all those things. It's just to be like sarcastically, you know, there, that's just, that's my whole angle. You got to find an angle that works for you. What part of your personality do you love the most? Pick that and then show that to the world. And it doesn't have to all be beautiful. It just has to be you.
0: Yeah. We are we're prostituting ourselves so that we can uh, be... <laughs> For, free. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> For free. Yeah, right. For free. So that we can get eyeballs on our stuff and then we can, yeah. Uh, and, you know, as a creative and sensitive person, uh, like yeah. all us musicians are, it, you know, it, it's very debilitating at times. Uh, it is. Get, I mean, yeah, get you a friend who will do all that stuff. With you or for you or, yeah. <laughs>
1: having, having a team is important. And if, if marketing yourself is something that you genuinely believe that you cannot do, some people hate talking about themselves. Um, and some people don't see their, themselves the way that their best friend does, right? Mm. Um, so have them write your captions. Mm. Have them take the photo of you. Mm. I mean, my best friend is Rosalind. She takes the best photos of me and it's just because she loves me. Mm. And you know, if I asked her to write me a bio, it would be way nicer than anything that I would ever say about myself. So, you know, it's just that's a strength, though. You made a friend that loves you and can see those things about you, that is all because of you. Mm. So, also keep that in mind. Yeah,
0: there's also chat GBT, I guess. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's very true. That's very true.
1: Um,
0: so yeah, last, uh, Couple of things. Yeah. Uh, what is the show that is happening? Where, when can people go see? What can they expect to see at it? And why would you do that?
1: The show. <laughs> yeah. So I. Have been going to a few art gallery shows lately, which and a lot of them are more underground, kind of invite only, very very small, quaint little things. And I really didn't even know that that scene was happening. I knew about like plaza walls and like huge murals going around, and I knew that the arts were being welcomed into the city, like with Scissor Tail Park and things like that. But those are massive projects. Um, so. I started kind of shaking hands with local painters and artists and muralists and things like that. And I asked them, you know, I'm, I don't see the world and paint like they do. And I, I love it, but I, and I can appreciate it, but I could never, ever begin to understand it. Um, But I can love it. And so I told them, I was like, I'm, I'm really good at throwing, you know, music shows. Is there any chance that you guys would want to come display your art at one of our shows? And they all said yes. And then I ended up going to a, a show at the Yale and I saw the walls the way it's a shotgun style building. Yeah. So there's like kind of cubbies and sconces and it's really pretty and it kind of looks like the Wizard of Oz curtains mm-hmm. going on it's, it's just really 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 cool and
0: I'm a sucker for Art Deco and that's just like yeah it's there. It's, it's so
1: cool and it's a historic building and, and there's actually parking it's so cool <laughs> and so I, I went in and I was like that this would be the perfect place to do that because those walls are elevated kind of in a balcony type mm-hmm. way so the people that would be enjoying the music wouldn't interfere with the gallery type if we chose to do it there so I met the manager that night and um, she loved the idea and I got four local bands uh, Original Flow of course Roslyn of course mm-hmm. um, which totally different genres by the right. way yeah. Roslyn is more of like rock and roll singer songwriter Just she's amazing um, Original Flow, poet, hip hop mm-hmm. and then you've got Serafina Bird who is Neo Soul and I think she has a lot of gospel background yeah, she's yeah. she's just really, I don't know. She's a beautiful girl inside and out and her voice reflects that. And so does her music. And then there's this new band that's been going around the city. That is one of the coolest things I've seen in a very long time. And I was like, I have to have them. Mm -hmm. I didn't beg them to be on the show, but it was really close. (laughs) I was like, Hey guys. So they're five musicians. Um, They all play every instrument. Mm. So every song they switch. Yeah. different lead singer, different drummer, different. It's it's so cool and we don't have anything like that. Um, and they're called the Confused, which mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. And so I got all of them to be on the bill, which I am pumped about. And then I got to thinking about the the charity element and how we could you know, incorporate something into the arts or maybe, you know, women, I I didn't know what I was going to do at first. And then, um, Toby Coleman, a friend of mine reached out to me about maybe using Castle Row as a space for the rock and roll camp for girls, Oklahoma City. And although we didn't have enough space for them to use it because the camp has gotten so big, (laughs) um, I was like, you know what? that would be a really cool thing to support and sponsor. So we have two painters coming in and they are going to do live painting during the show. One is going to be a set of air force ones. So it's not canvases, which is actually really cool. They're going to do, um, a pair of air force ones and they're going to do a set of overhead headphones. And we're going to auction those off at the end of the night for, to benefit those girls. Um, which I'm, I think is just, I think it's going to be really cool. Um, And then we'll have merch. There's like a photo booth in the lobby for everyone to take pictures. And there's going to be a a cocktail bar upstairs if you do the VIP option. But there's like full bar and an art gallery and local music. I don't know. I just really wanted to to display all the art that Oklahoma City has to offer Mm -hmm. in different cultures, different genres, different, just like a huge mashup Mm -hmm. because I think we get stuck in our little, our little groups and this, it's the same fans at different shows. And I wanted to give everyone an opportunity to, to cross over if they wanted to. And so far it's, it's been a really nice, nice opportunity for that to happen. Most of the artists hadn't met each other and now Roslyn and Sierra, I think are best friends without me. So <laughs> I think <laughs> it's working a little too well. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's, it's been really cool. The feedback on it's been really nice and, It's, it's been a really fun project.
0: Awesome. When is it? Where is it?
1: Oh yeah. That part's important. It's uh, March 11th and it's at the Yale theater and it's from, doors are at six, but it's from seven to 10.
0: Yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, I think this will be out with ample warning time to like, let people know that that's where and when it is.
1: Yeah. And the link, the link to the tickets is all over the Heller Music Group pages, my personal pages, and also the YaleTheatre.com. They've got, they've got it all up too as well for tickets.
0: Yeah, check that out. And uh, sure, I'll put a link in the description as well because... <laughs> Uh, hopefully I will remember to actually put the link in the description, but it's at least here in the audio and you know where to look. (laughs) That's funny.
1: Yeah. And it's only $10 to come, to come hang out and I would love to meet more people. I feel like I am too stuck with like the same crowds all the time and I I love meeting people in the industry. So I, I hope people introduce themselves and I get to do another really cool show like this in the future with a whole different lineup. That'd be, that would be the most ideal thing.
0: Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What else you got? What else I got? Yeah. Uh, just plug your stuff. <laughs> plug my
1: stuff? Um, like my social media, yeah. the thing that we just said we yes. don't like to do. <laughs> um, on social media, I am Heller51, but it, my name on there is Sirius, which is my producer name at Castle Row. And the... I guess the record label stuff is either Heller Music Group or Heller MG, depending on what platform you're on. And on Facebook, if you want to be super personal friends, it's Mm -hmm. Stephanie Heller. So (laughs) that's me.
0: Awesome uh stephanie thank you so much for doing this with yeah
1: me. thanks for having me back i love this <laughs> yeah
0: I, I love this too and it's been too long so i yeah. know
1: i think the last place i saw you was your wedding
0: <laughs> oh my gosh yeah.
1: <laughs> i know i was I, I was thinking about that the other day i was like rosalind i have not seen him since he got married
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh well yeah uh, yeah thank you and uh should I? So normally, I have artists on this podcast, and I'll, I have their like music play at the end of the thing. That's but like, what what should I have play at the end of this thing? Ooh.
1: I don't know. Play play um, either Rosalyn or Flo or both.
0: Sure. They deserve it. <laughs> awesome. So uh, you will find out what those songs are that I pick that I will rip from probably YouTube or something.
1: Amazing. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Streaming means nothing.
0: Yes. Oh, actually, I just remembered. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, so since I had you on, mm-hmm. there is a question that I ask on the podcast that like I had added, which is... Ooh. Cake or pie? Pie. Nice. What's the pie that came to mind?
1: Pie, oh, lemon. Just because I really, really, really like lemons. (laughs) I don't know. I don't like icing. That's such a terrible thing to say. I don't like icing. (laughs) So, cake is out for me, but lemon pie is in.
0: Heck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, thank you for doing this with me. Thank you. Uh, I'm Santiago Ramones. Stephanie Heller.
2: We yeah, yeah. taking this city it's started to get lit with do we be talking they told be flex we do it, we walk, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we do it, we walk, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <asuat> yeah. Yeah. yeah we do it, we be they we do we Yeah. We taking this city it's started to get with do we walk, Yeah Hey be talking they told be flex we do we walk, Yeah we do it, we walk, Yeah we do it, we walk. I'm out of my business, I'm grinding to witness I'm finding my limits, refining my vision Denying the system, arisen my vision is growing in wisdom, i go and I get it Despite the decisions, that keep us in prisons No, they taking these slick Label me savage, ignoring my wits All of these pieces, get none of them fit All of my answers came in the ships You lying through lips, denying me, writing the script Defying these gifts, I riot and flip Humble the double the your spits Hot like a candle that's lit Damaging earths and ships Panicking, running for clips I aim for the top like a gun with a clip Spraying with it to see damage your enemies Send the vicinity blast, you can at last I am the present I am the past, I am the reason you fast, yeah. I am the reason you gasp uh, You did the math, me plus you, not equal in half Incredible hook, yes it was smash, Get it the hook, they missing the track Had me be choking, they, they jaws be flapping, we do what we want yeah. Checking this city, it's about to get lit, we do what we want yeah. Had to be choking, they, they jaws we flapping, we do what we want yeah. We do what we want, yeah. we do what we want yeah. Yeah. We we taking this city, get back to get we do what we want yeah. Hades be talking, they draw be fleckin', we do what we want yeah. We do what we want, yeah. We do what we We want the whole, not just a portion. You should just forfeit, fresh it in orbit. Yeah, we important, yeah. Yeah, we important uh. forming the planet, we take it. Take it. You look invisibly shakin' See getting a limit, we break it. break it. We do what we want while you wakin'. You like taking a bonus and we all up on it, no matter your bonus, we taking the crown like we own it. And then they can hold us, that they can Diminishing, simple, then simpleton, simply as innocent, serving the curve. We got the drive, making these words. We got the nerve, you get on my nerve, you get on my nerve. Uh. <speaking in the throat> we do what we want, we do what we want, we do what we want, yeah. 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 Me, me, we, we, do we, want. City, we do what we want, yeah. We do what we want, yeah. Headed me choking, they jars me flapping, we do what we want, yeah. Checking this city, it's fast to get linen, we do what we want, yeah.
0: You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. The music you're hearing now is music I make. You can listen to official releases by Santiago Romanes on Spotify, Apple Music, and the other streaming places. Or you can support me directly by buying my music on Bandcamp. I'm working on Hypothetical, my first singer-songwriter album, so if you'd like to hear that at some point, I'm so close, I promise. There are lots of ways to support me on my website. There's a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. All the links to these things are on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts if you listen there. It means a lot to me to hear what you have to say about it. And you're helping me without having to spend a single cent on me. I want to help the world have deeper conversations. So thank you for listening to and supporting BitDepth always in the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong.